The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For The Secret Church 7 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC7. This is Secret Church 7, Episode 3. Okay, what are demons? Demons are evil angels who sinned against God and now continually work out evil in the world. Evil angels. They were created good by Genesis 1.31. Get to the end of creation. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. But then they had become evil, evil by Genesis 3.1 when the serpent comes into the garden and tempts. So something happened between Genesis 1.31 and Genesis 3.1 when a number of angels and the devil rebelled against God. Scripture leaves a gap here. Talks a little bit about it in a couple passages in the Old Testament, which we'll look at in a minute. And in the New Testament, 2 Peter 2, 4 and Jude 6, both passages we've read talk about how these angels sin with their moral capacity and were thrust down. So demons are evil angels who sinned against God and who now continually work out evil in the world. Now, who is Satan? Satan, and we're going to unpack this definition an angel created by God who served as a cherub until he rebelled against God and now opposes God in every way. Let me be clear. He is not a guy dressed in a red suit with a pitchfork. He's absolutely not that. Get that image out of your mind. Satan is an angel. Matthew 25, 41, the devil and his angels. So the qualities that we mentioned earlier, he's spiritual, not a physical body like us. Personal, moral, intellectual, emotional capacities. Powerful, limited though, in space and in knowledge. Single, immortal, versatile. All of these things that we talked about with angels, applying here, he's an angel. Just like the holy angels, Satan was created by God. Colossians 1, by him all things were created. He served as a cherub. Most scholars think Ezekiel 28 is a reference to Satan. You're anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Served as a cherub until he rebelled against God. The other Major Old Testament passages, Isaiah, <coughs> excuse me, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 15. This is talking about God's judgment on the king of Babylon, an earthly human king here in Isaiah 14. But Isaiah, through the word of God, uses language that seems to refer to the heavenly rebellion of Satan. <coughs> How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Now listen, the occasion of Satan's sin was power. And the nature of his sin was pride. I want you to notice in that passage five I will statements. You might even underline them. I will ascend to heaven. He wanted equal recognition with the creator. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. He wanted the greatest allegiance in all of creation. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. He wanted the highest position of authority. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He wanted the glory that is only due to God. I will make myself like the most high. Satan's ultimate goal was to replace God. 
And in his desire to become glorious like God, Satan became the epitome of that which is ungodly. Let me say that one more time because I don't want you to miss this. In his desire to become glorious like God, Satan became the epitome of that which is ungodly. And the reason I want to emphasize that is because this is where Satan tempts you and me. He is familiar with pride. And so the core of sin is pride. And what was the temptation in Genesis 3? You will not die if you eat this fruit, Satan said, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. We, it's the core of sin, we aspire to be the God of our own lives. Satan tempts us in this. And when we play that out, we give ourselves to that which is most ungodly. Jeffrey Grogan said it is a strange paradox that nothing makes a being less like God than the urge to be his equal. Satan rebelled against God and now opposes God in every way. Zechariah 3, one example of that. Now Satan's names reveal his tactics. The devil's names reveal his tactics. He is Satan, the adversary. That's what this word means, this title means, the personal name of the head of the demons mentioned in Job 1. In Hebrew, this literally means adversary. It's carried over into the New Testament there in 1 Thessalonians 2. He is the adversary who opposes God's agenda, works against God's plan, violates God's character, assaults God's people. He is the adversary. He is the devil, which means the slanderer. It's the picture of him prowling around there in 1 Peter chapter 5. He's a slanderer. He's Lucifer, son of the morning. Isaiah chapter 14, O morning star, son of the dawn. This means Satan is not going to come to you ugly and scary, but he will come to you beautiful and enticing, winsome. You will be attracted to his agenda because he will dress it up and seduce you with it. So I've got to get this pitchfork picture out of our mind. He's Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. Beelzebub was a pagan idol. It was supposed to protect you from a swarm of flies and Jews understood Beelzebub as the god of filth, which is an apt description for Satan. He's Belial, a false god, directing the worship of God toward idols. He is the evil one, 1 John 5 said. This is the word for absolute corruption. He will influence anything he can to make it corrupt. He is the tempter. Satan takes perfectly good god given desires in us and entices us to fulfill them with artificial means. That's what temptation is. Think about all the good gifts God gives. Food and rest and sex and ambition and work. All the good gifts and good desires that God puts in us. And the tempter comes and entices us to fulfill those desires through, through artificial means that go against God. This is the picture of tempting in 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. He is the prince of this world. The prince of this world will be driven out, John 12 says. He is a master of false systems. He crafts entire schools of thought that can suck us in and destroy us. You know he is working hard in our day to convince, 
teenage girls that if they do not look like the cover of a 17 or Cosmopolitan magazine, that they are not worth anything. He's convincing teenage guys they need to put forth a certain persona in order to be accepted. He is convincing college students, men and women across this room, that if we do not have the right clothes or the right car or live in the nice house or have the beach or vacation lake house to go to, then we are not successful and we are buying into it all. He's a master of false systems. The prince of this world who rules the ways of this world. He is the accuser. Revelation 12, the accuser of our brothers. Satan delights in condemnation. He will accuse you, condemn you, point out your sins that have been confessed and covered by the blood of Christ. He will constantly accuse you with them. He's represented as a serpent in Genesis 3, a dragon in Revelation chapter 12. The great dragon was hurled down, an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11. Now how do Satan and demons relate to God? I want us to make sure we're clear on some contrasts here. God is the creator. Satan is the destroyer. God is the creator, Genesis 1. Satan is the destroyer. That is his name, Revelation 9. Destroyer. Satan delights in destroying everything God has made. He's the destroyer. But don't miss this. This is the good news. God is the almighty. Satan is limited by God. Genesis 17, I am God Almighty. Job 1, very well then, everything he has, talking about Job, is in your hands, but on himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Satan is limited by God because he is less than God. We have to be very careful not to attribute the characteristics of God to Satan, to the devil. Satan is not omnipotent. He is not omniscient. He does not know everything. He does not know our our evil thoughts, our, all of our thoughts. He, does, he is not omnipresent. Satan is not everywhere at once. He is limited by God and he only works under the permission of God. Satan is on a leash. God's almighty. Satan is not almighty. We'll come back to that later. God is true. Satan is the father of lies. God is love. Satan is hatred and the murderer John 8, 44 says he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. God is righteousness. Satan is evil. God is our advocate. If anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Praise God. Satan is our accuser. Satan standing at the right side of Joshua the high priest in Zechariah 3 to accuse him. God is our protection in temptation. Satan is the tempter. God is our ultimate judge. Satan is ultimately judged by God. God's our judge, not Satan. Satan is judged by God. So that's how Satan and demons, when you th- Satan and God, when you think about those two, just Remember these contrasts. We'll come back to them more in a minute. How does Satan and the demons relate to us? Scriptures we've looked at already with 1 Peter 5. Prowling around. How does he prowl? How does he devour? These are the schemes that are talked about in 2 Corinthians 2. The question is, what are his schemes? Ephesians 6 uses the same language. Take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. So what are those schemes? And what, I, what I've attempted to do right here is just give you a, a catalog, basically. Just an index, almost, of 
what, what, is, what are the schemes of Satan? How does Satan work? And this is not every single thing, but I, I hope a pretty good picture overview of how Satan works in relation to us. Satan deceives. He deceives. He's a master counterfeiter. He attacks in subtly, deadly, indirect ways. He delights in taking truth and twisting it ever so slightly so that we think we're living according to truth when we are not. This is not obvious here. Deception is not obvious. You don't know you're deceived. It's the whole point. This is where, I think this is where Satan is in many ways most dangerous. He deceives through false philosophies. Paul warned, see it to it, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. False religions, sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons. When you participate in false religions, you're offering sacrifices to demons. That's what scripture teaches. He deceives through false ministers. This is what was going on in Corinth. People were claiming to be teaching truth, masquerading as servants of righteousness here in 2 Corinthians. Yet teaching demonic ways, subtly demonic ways. He deceives through false doctrine. Picture the Antichrist. Even now many Antichrists have come in 1 John 2. He deceives through false disciples. Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads and the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't you know how... Don't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. False disciples in the midst of God's people. Brothers and sisters, this is why we must guard the purity of the church. This is why we cannot be light with what it means to be a part or a member of a church. Because there is an adversary who delights in filling communities of the kingdom with false disciples and false leaders who are intent on pulling people away from the gospel. So we've got to be on guard. False morals he deceives through. Second Thessalonians 2, the picture of the lawlessness at work. He deceives people into thinking that they're embracing truth when they're embracing lies. So Satan deceives. Second, Satan attacks by directing governments. It's a picture we'll look at more in depth in Daniel 10 in a minute. By bringing sickness. This is what Satan obviously did to Job. Struck his flesh and bones. This is what Satan had done with a woman crippled by a spirit for 18 years in Luke 13. Satan is kept bound for 18 long years. Directing governments, bringing sickness. He attacks by destroying lives. Him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, Hebrews 2. Persecuting the saints. The devil will put some of you in prison, Jesus says, to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. The devil will do that, persecuting the saints, preventing service. Paul says, we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us, 1 Thessalonians 2. He's preventing service, promoting division. Watch out, Paul says, for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ but their own appetites. And he goes on to talk about how God, the God of peace, 
and order will soon crush Satan under your feet. He attacks by planting doubt. This is the very beginning of sin in Genesis 3. He said to the woman, did God really say that? God really say this? He attacks by producing sex and cults. Spirit clearly says, and in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Cults, a result of Satan's attacks. Got to tell you this story real quick. The other night, we were putting our kids to bed and had just gotten them out of the bath, three and a half year old Caleb and almost two year old Joshua. And we were getting them dressed. We're about to get them dressed. And there was a ring at the doorbell and it was late, it was around eight o'clock. And so um, Caleb, having nothing on, said, I'll go get it. And I said, absolutely not, son. You stay right here in your room. And he just kind of smiled. I said, buddy, you stay right here. <laughs> and so, so I go to the door, I open it, and it's, it's two Mormon girls. And uh, they've, they've come, and they introduce themselves, sister and sister. And, uh, and I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't really have a lot of time. I'm trying to think of a good one-liner, kind of a zinger, kind of, you know, just kind of just jab at a false gospel in here just real quick, but not do it in a rude way. And, and they, they recognize me as pastor here. And, and so I said, well, and I was about to go into my explanation. And then all of a sudden I look and their eyes just were huge. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, oh no. And I turn around over my shoulder and there is Caleb in the buff, just waving, just waving. <laughs> he starts turning around and around. <laughs> then he runs away. My son mooned the Mormons. So much better than anything I could have said. <laughs> Spiritual warfare. <laughs> oh, all right. Satan attacks by producing sex and cults. Satan tempts, he tempts us to, and this is just a, just a laundry list, he tempts us to anger. He tempts us to pride. First Timothy 3. He tempts us to worry. Matthew 13, mark it down. Brothers and sisters, worry is from Satan, not from God. He tempts us to worldliness, the cravings of sinful man, everything in the world, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does. It doesn't come from the Father to lying. It's a picture of Ananias and Sapphira. Satan is so filled with your heart that you have lied, Acts 5. He tempts us to immorality. Satan deceives. He attacks and he tempts. Among other things, he blinds unbelievers. We've seen this in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He blinds them. They're blinded. They're blinded. Satan holds captives Get to the end of 2 Timothy 2, escape from the trap of the devil who has taken him captive to do his will. Satan misuses scripture. That's what he's doing. 
temptation of Christ in Matthew chapter four. He's misusing scripture. Satan attacks faith, leading us away from sincere and pure devotion to Christ, 2 Corinthians 11. I sent Timothy to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you. And Satan thwarts mission. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an intendant of the proconsul. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Don't miss this. But Elymas the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. And Saul, who also was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Here's the deal. Wait before you go. The next page. Wait a second. Satan cannot deprive God of the glory he is due in heaven. But he can work against people ascribing the glory he is due on earth. As a result, Satan will do anything he can to hinder the people of God from declaring the glory of God. That's why I'm convinced in some ways Satan is just fine with a Christian self-centered pursuit of holiness and and with a church system that spends all of our resources on ourselves where we insulate our lives from the lostness of the world around us. That is no threat to the kingdom of darkness. He is hinderer, hindering mission. And on an individual note, I just want, I wonder if there are men and women in this room who at some point God by his spirit was calling you to a certain task, to a certain place, to a certain ministry. And somewhere along the way, you let Satan play the role of the hinderer. And I just want to invite you to consider. Consider how Satan might have been a hinderer, diverting you, distracting you, keeping you from doing what God was telling you to do. And I want to call you to put his hindrances behind. Put his hindrances behind. He wants to thwart mission in your life. Don't let him thwart it. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.